You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Does anyone else struggle sometimes with um, simple tasks? Okay? Yeah. Okay? Yeah, good. Because uh, I, I do. I, I struggle to blow my nose. Okay? Uh, I don't know if that's a condition. Um, but I just can't do it. I, I go for it. My ears pop. It hurts. And I don't bother. I'd rather just be snotty. It's one of those things. That, does anyone else struggle with that? No. No, oh dear, it's a condition, okay? Um, Thankfully in Penrith, someone else did struggle, so it's a Cumbrian thing, okay? Um, Whistling, does anyone struggle with whistling? Yeah, it's fairly basic, isn't it? It it doesn't take much, um, but it it, it happens or it doesn't happen. There, there, there There are things in life that seem exceedingly basic, but aren't particularly. And uh, I grew up in a very random place called Stainmore. Uh, some of you will know it as a, a high part of the A66 where not a lot grows. Fantastic scenery, but not a lot grows. Uh, perfect place for a cult, okay? Um, or, a, or a murder or something like that. But um, it is actually the, the final resting place of Eric Bloodaxe, a Viking warrior on the top of Stainmore, so if, uh, if you ever want to go and pay tribute to him, he has a stone, okay? Uh, but um, the thing about Stainmore, as, as beautiful as it was, I think if you could ask my dad in a word, what, what, or in a sentence, what living on Stainmore was like, he would have said hard work. Because some of the basic tasks in life seemed almost impossible when the conditions were against you because Stainmore was renowned for bad weather and bad snow. And um, we, we lived um, down a, a long driveway um, and it had a, a sort of a, a drop on the side of the road. I don't know if there, there is a picture of it just to, to set the scene. Um, so we, we drive down here and if you were stupid, you'd end up at the bottom, basically, which uh, I never did, believe it or not. I did many a stupid thing, but not that. Um, and there was one time in, in the snow where, um, where we had to leave the car at the top of the road and walk up this long driveway um, because the snow was really bad and didn't want to die, basically. But the cat had been taken ill, okay? Who knows that is a sad thing, okay? My cat was called Elsa long before Frozen. Um, and uh, Elsa, Elsa was a nasty piece of work, okay? <laughs> I've got to tell the truth. You know, in deaf people often, you know, we, we glamorize. They were a lovely person, were they? No, Elsa was not, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, she, she was a nasty piece of work. But this particular snowy day, Elsa was sick, and she had to go to the vets. So what we did was we put her in a, a, a cat carry thingy, 
and uh, put her in a wheelbarrow and pushed her up the drive uh, and then eventually went to the vets. And you think it's a fairly basic task going to the vets. I didn't expect that I would need a wheelbarrow. And that there was many examples of things like this on Staymore where um, our water supply would freeze or in the summer it would dry out and um, we'd have no water. And you think, this is fairly basic stuff. And I think what we're, I want to talk about today is in some ways very basic, but who knows that sometimes it's, it's the basic things in life that we can often struggle with. And, and today I, I want to talk about forgiveness um, because forgiveness is something we all grasp to a point. Would you agree that we we're a, have an awareness that we have received forgiveness and we have an awareness that we should give out forgiveness? We know in theory, at least in some ways, it is absolutely basic, but who knows that actually dealing with forgiveness or holding on to unforgiveness can take years and years and is really hard to outwork. I've re- recently reread a book by a guy called R.T. Kendall. I often think of R2-D2 when I think of R.T. Kendall. Um, and it's called Total Forgiveness. And believe me, it was really challenging rereading that. I mean, the, the scriptures he used... Um, the examples, the testimonies, there was in some ways nothing that surprised me. I wouldn't say it was a book full of new things, but what was challenging is when I looked inward at myself and thought, okay, how do I implement some of this into my life? And I thought, flipping heck, it's like taking the cat to the vet. I did not expect that I would need a wheelbarrow to get there. And that is exactly what it's like. I think, I think it was the words where he said, you may have to do this for the rest of your life, that I thought, man, for something basic, this is, this is fairly hard work. And uh, Often when we think of overcoming like within this series and we think of being uh, an overcomer, we, we think of completing a level like on Mario or whatever. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we beat the level. Glory. And then we move on. Whereas actually there are some things, and I will put unforgiveness in this category, is something that we have to keep beating week after week, day after day, month after month, year after year. Along with, you know, there's other things like like doubt or addictions or who we are in Christ and things that, that actually it isn't sometimes as easy as just, well, I've dealt with that, move on. I'm the champion of that category, but actually it's something we have to keep coming back to on a far more regular basis, because if, if we're ever going to prevent the, the, um, the fruit of unforgiveness being displayed as anger, rage in our life, or, or um, you know, the, the wish of um, eternal punishment for our wrongdoers, um, then what we need to do is, is actually bring it to Jesus in a daily commitment because, like I just mentioned, the, the, the fruit of unforgiveness, which masquerades as anger, rage, and gossip, and slander, and all these different things, the fruit of it is literally sin in our own life. Uh, and if, if we want to prevent that, that is, that is something that we need Jesus for. So uh, we're just going to look at what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness is when someone offends us or hurts us and we refuse to have compassion on that person, we're not willing to get over it, uh, move past it, or forgive them. That is what 
unforgiveness is. And I mean as a statement that is exceedingly easy to read. In fact, I didn't slip up at all. So, um, but please don't think this is me belittling the situations that you have been through, some major, some minor, but scarring, and some that you have had to carry or continue to carry. And, you know, the, the unique thing about pain is it is intensely personal. That what is painful for you, uh, perhaps to me, might be thinking, I don't know how they can't get over this. I don't understand what the problem is, but because it is so personal. So please, please don't think this is a message of, oh, you need to get over this. No, this is a message of we absolutely need Jesus if we aren't going to carry this around for the rest of our days, if we're going to live in the freedom that he has called us to. So if, if the fruit of unforgiveness is sin, then the seed of unforgiveness is offense or it is hurt or it is the, the general sense of being wronged. Has anyone ever been wronged by someone? Yeah, come on, Tom, I see that hand. Your dad's only a few seats behind you. We all know what you did. Okay, Johnny? Um, And you know, the thing with all seeds, if you water them, if you feed them, if you give them enough light, then they grow, don't they? Um, And before you know it, a seed of offense um, becomes unforgiveness, which then leads to sin in our own life, turns into gossip, It turns into anger. It turns into hatred of someone else. So what it boils down to is unforgiveness is a heart issue. It is something within here. And as Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if all we do is ever talk badly about a certain someone who has wronged us, or if we come out in a a rash at the thought of them or, or whatever, then... Uh, And all we do is remind everyone of what they did to us and how bad they were. And not just in the moment, but year after year, day after day, we have to face this real question of, have we actually forgiven them? And perhaps we're on a journey, but probably, if we're honest, not totally. Um, We've likely allowed that seed to grow. We've, We've watered it, and it is starting to sprout up as something else within our own personal life. And my advice from this message is for us to kill that seed. It's to not allow it to grow. And for no one else's sake other than our own. So I've I've got three points of why we should forgive. Point one, we should forgive very basically because we have been forgiven. You know, before we look at anyone else and what they've done, Let's remind ourselves of all that God has done for us. You know, one of the the major themes of the gospel, and it's only when you start to reflect on forgiveness, you're like, yeah, that is the major theme of the gospel, that, that when Christ died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. God chose to forgive us of our sins. And we're all aware, aren't we, that we're messed up people. Um, uh, if, if you're not, um, well, you are, really, okay? Um, We're all messed up people. And the thing is, God is not. God is holy. He is perfect. He is pure. And because of his holiness, there is this barrier between us and God. And, um, you know, in one of my last messages where I preached that, I, I talked about the Day of Atonement and how they'd have to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Um, because without blood, there was no forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament. 
So to fast forward to the New Testament, you look at when Jesus came and shed his blood on the cross. That was a sacrifice needed to end all sacrifices, to pay the price so the issue of sin was dealt once and for all. That our mess is no longer counted against us. We can have a relationship with God because of Jesus. That is incredible, isn't it? You know, and when, and when we talk as, as Christians, we talk about these words like salvation and deliverance and how as Christians we can walk in this freedom that God has given us. We're referring to the finished work of Jesus Christ with the cross and the empty tomb and his victory over sin and darkness. And I love that one of the master keys within that victory was God's forgiveness of us through Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 13 and 15. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I love that. You know, God's forgiveness was, a, he made a public spectacle to remind people that it was finished. He triumphed over them, that, that we are free from that eternal punishment of sin because of Jesus. We, and we aren't just free, we have relationship with him. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You know, hasn't God been good to us? Hasn't God been, let's make it personal, hasn't God been good to me? You know, aren't you grateful that you have been forgiven of everything that you have done past, present, and future? You know, there's such a weight attached to this that, that when we really think, like, like I do often, of what an idiot I am. You, 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 there, there is a weight attached that God not only forgives us, but pursues relationship with us. That, you know, he, he, he doesn't say, I forgive you, but don't come too close. He, he, he's saying, I forgive you, and I want you to come close. In fact, he says, I am running to you. I am embracing you. This son, this daughter of mine was lost, but is now found, was dead, but is now alive. So if that's us, what is our response to other people? What does the Bible say? It says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. And this is where we start to take a turn, people, okay? Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Luke 6, 37, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And this is the part where this seemingly basic principle of forgiveness seems to take a, a turn. God has forgiven us wholeheartedly. What is our response? We must forgive others wholeheartedly with all our heart time and time again. And it's interesting, Matthew 6, 14 and 15 is an add-on to the Lord's Prayer. We never quote it when we learn the Lord's Prayer, but it is straight 
after it as an add-on. Within the Lord's Prayer itself, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Is it almost the assumption that we will be looking to do that? And then, but Jesus may be knowing that that might not be the narrative we always take. Sticks on the end, you know, forgive and you will be, um, no, what is it? If you If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your father will forgive you. But if you do not, then your father will not forgive you. And, you know, perhaps there's some panic hearts in in the room this morning. People thinking, does this mean I am going to hell? Okay. Well, there's good news. (laughs) Because if our salvation hinged totally on our choice to forgive or not forgive, then our salvation would be in our own strength. It would be one of works. And therefore, it wouldn't be the free gift that we have received from Jesus Christ. So, which is eternal. It says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. So if Jesus isn't saying that this is about salvation in itself, what is it about? Because it still sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? And what it is about is relationship. It is about relationship. If our Christian journey is one of obedience and trying to walk closely in obedience with God, when we disobey and choose not to forgive, God still loves us, yes. But what we lose is that intimacy with him. We, and we can lose, and as well as the intimacy we can lose from relationship, we can also lose the anointing that God has given us. You know, you might be thinking that you're, you're flying high in the gifting that God's given you, but you can lose the anointing when you choose not to forgive other people. And um, without starting a, theolo- a, a theological um, opening here of something, I also think from reading of scripture that we can lose our heavenly reward. Not our spot in heaven, but the reward that is promised when it talks in 1 Corinthians 3, 14 and 15, if what you have built built stands, then you will receive a reward. If what you have built doesn't stand, then you will lose out on your heavenly reward. Not your place in heaven, that is secure through Christ, but your heavenly reward. So please don't miss what I'm saying here. Unforgiveness is a serious thing, just like any sin. It takes us away from that intimacy with God. But I also think that, and another reason is, I also think that God loves gratefulness. I think he responds to gratefulness. And when we have been let off the hook, like we all have, I think when we refuse to let others off the hook, it's almost an insult personally to all that God has done to us. And that's why we have to take this matter of unforgiveness seriously. You know, in the Gospels, Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Um, It's Matthew 18, 21, 22. Jesus came to, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who has sinned against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And some of the translations say 70 times seven um, times, you know, that uh, he, he's come with this idea that, you know, I'm trying to be really gracious here, as many as seven? Uh, and Jesus is like, no, try 70 times seven. The, the, the amount 
I think isn't important that, that it's basically like Artie Kendall said, it's a life sentence that we have to walk this journey of forgiving daily for the rest of our lives, just as Jesus forgave us, past, present, and future for the rest of our lives. When we come to God with a real understanding of our sin and how he has dealt with that, we then have to transfer that and look at the people who are wronging us in our life. Why should we forgive part two? Because it is not ours to carry. It is not yours to carry. When I reflect on what Jesus said when he was literally dying on the cross in those moments, when he said uh, in Luke um, 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And, and we learn from Jesus something really amazing there. Not only am I amazed that as he's dying on the cross, he is reflecting on wanting God to forgive us and forgive those that at the time were, had put him to death. But what he does is he says, Father, forgive them. It, he, Jesus knew it wasn't his to carry. The issue of whether they were forgiven or not was not on him. He said, Father, will you forgive them? And when I read this, something within that kind of self-righteous um, side that we all have says, oh man, I need to do something with that. I need to release that. I need to let that go. I, I, I need to pray, Lord, as you have forgiven me, will you have mercy and forgive them? This is not mine to carry. You know, so, some of us have been hurt badly in this room by loved ones, by strangers, by other Christians, by, you know, let, let's agree, good people, okay? And can I say, I, I am sorry that that has happened. I am sorry that you have had to go through that or you are still going through that. And, but I urge you today, not lightly, not as a, a way to brush over or belittle what you have been through or continue to walk through. But for your sake, will you release it and give it to God because it is not yours to carry and allow God to deal with it just like he has dealt with our sin. You know, I, I think that's the hard part of forgiveness and letting go of things that we think if we release it, they get off. They get off the hook. And the more we hold on to it, at least someone's got something on them. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, whereas actually, by releasing it, we are saying, God, I still want to have control over this situation. Forgiveness is saying, God, I give you back control. Do, do we trust him? You know, let, let's look at these statements. Does God know what we've done? Yeah. Does God know what they've done? Yeah. Does God know how it made us feel? He does. Do, does God know the tears and the pain? Did God walk you through that and continue to walk you through that? He does. Does God, if he so chooses, have the power and ability to do with said individual what he likes? <laughs> Be it smite them or let them off the hook. He does because he's God. Did God allow us to get off with absolutely everything we have done? If the answer to all the above questions is yes, then it's time that we release because it is not ours to carry. Number three of three, why we should forgive for the sake of the kingdom. Paul writes both of these statements in two different letters, Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I'm already convicted. 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now there's a challenge, Peter, on, on your 30th. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, which is something that happens often in church, uh, and slander. The Ephesians are nasty, apparently. They, they, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3, 13 and 14. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul is speaking in these two letters specifically to Christians about interactions with Christians and how we should outwork our issues with each other, how we should deal with things and how we should approach things. The overarching theme is with love and forgiveness and grace. It's challenging stuff, isn't it? You know, because do you know what? Unforgiveness hinders the body of Christ. It limits what we can do together. You know, from being around church a long time as I have, I actually think it uh, and I don't want to offend anyone, but it's, uh, I think it's one of the worst places for offense to take hold. Um, and I get we are a large body of random people uh, who may, maybe in any other walk of life, we wouldn't be friends. You know, you, maybe we didn't choose each other, but God chose us and put us together. So suck it up and, and get on with it. You know, I get that there are characters. I'm one of them. I get that there are annoying people. I get that we clash. But come on, if there's one place we should be able to move on quickly, it has to be the church. Because if it isn't, it should be. You know, if we look at what Paul has written here, if that isn't at least what we are aiming towards, then we've got to make some changes. Why? Because we've got a mission. God has given us a mission to be his hands and feet to see breakthrough in community, to see lives brought into his kingdom. And if we really want to see that, we need to be united in our pursuit. You know, look again at what Paul has written there. And if that isn't your feelings towards someone else, then perhaps we need to deal with this. I love what Jesus says in John 13, 35. He, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, there is a challenge. It doesn't say that we have to hug one another. It just says how we have to love one another. You know, just think about this. If, if we were an army today, and we're going on a spiritual battle, and you are lined up next to the person that you have an issue with, would you be able to lay that at your side for the sake of the kingdom? Would you be able to put that behind you? Would they be able to rely on you? And would you be able to rely on them? And if the answer is not sure, then we need to do something about that because we are an army. We want to advance the kingdom of God. And if we can't rely on each other, if you can't pull the person up or save the person who's to your left or to your right who may need a brother or a sister at that time, then we need to do something with this. Okay, and I've just got now, seven points on how we forgive. Seven. Trust me, they're pretty short, okay? I was running out of material, okay? 
I wish that was true. I think I could have had 70 times seven reasons why we should forgive. You know, remember God, God's great love for us. That is a good place to start with how we forgive. The one who has forgiven much loves much. We, we see that in this interaction with Jesus. A guy called Simon who was a Pharisee and a, a woman branded in the Bible as a sinful woman. We don't particularly know what she did, although some of us love gossip and we'd have loved to have known, wouldn't we? But it's in Luke 7. And this woman has such an understanding of the weight of her mess and her sin that she can't help but pour out gratitude on Jesus. Whereas Simon is touch on the self-righteous side, shall we say, and doesn't share that same gratitude. And here we, we, we remember, and Jesus says, look, she has she has loved much because she has been forgiven much. Whereas those who have forgiven little seemingly because of our self-righteousness, although we have been forgiven of so much because we are all sinful people, we then don't love with the same way. So remember that personal, with personal gratitude what God has done for us. Number two is we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, which I believe requires a soft heart. It requires a softening within us and a humbling within us to allow the Holy Spirit to actually speak. But, you know, I sometimes, I, being, being honest, I don't think I've got a problem with someone until their name is mentioned. And then I chip in along with everyone else of just what an evil so-and-so they are within the life of church. No, I'm joking. Um, and, uh, but it's within those moments where I just hear the Holy Spirit and I'm like, Okay, that's something I need to deal with. But it comes with having that soft heart. It's being open to him speaking. It's allowing him to highlight within, within us what needs dealing with this. And it's actually a willingness to listen to his voice and a humility to say, God, I am not you. I'm not in control. Will you speak to me? And then the best bit is act on it, okay? Number three already touched on this, but we let God carry it all. We don't say we give it to him, then take it back. We give it to him, and then we don't take it back. That means when that said person is mentioned, like I said earlier, we don't come out in a rash. We don't get angry, but we remind ourselves, actually, God, it's you who's carrying this. Even if they continue, their actions don't change you know, in fact, it can get worse. We have to remind ourselves, this is not our battle to fight. God, I, I'm allowing you to carry it. Number four, it's between you and God. For forgiveness and dealing with it is between you and God. I think often when we think of unforgiveness, um, we often think it's largely between us and the other person. Um, whereas actually the relationship most affected by unforgiveness is your personal relationship with God. Um, often we're guilty of putting our attention, our focus, our attitude, whatever, on someone else. And in the meantime, allowing our heart to, to burst those seeds within us to, to grow into hatred and anger and whatever. And it begins to infect us. Uh, and before we know it, that our relationship with God was not what it was. So it's allowing him to speak. It's telling him how we feel. It's bringing things to him as it is in the Lord's Prayer. You know, God, will you forgive me as I choose today to forgive those who continually hurt me? It's 
It's allowing him in. And, you know, can I say this? It doesn't always end in reconciliation. Um, but with, like, large statement, I don't know, asterisks, highlights, can I say, I think we should make that the goal. Because I believe that's the heart of God. We as Christians, we've been given, it says, um, the ministry of reconciliation to appeal to people who aren't Christians and say, come, come be reconciled with God. So I don't think it's a bad thing to outwork in our own life uh, of being reconciled with other people. However, I understand that there are complexities with it. But I think we absolutely have to try for that. You know, I, I remember my mom sharing with me that she was brought up in neglect. And from, by what I mean of neglect, it was for large periods of time and some of her earliest memories uh, being locked in a room by herself um, for hours upon hours um, and having her, her hands and her feet burnt over the fire as punishment uh, for a little girl and just, just crazy things that then when you move into adult life, you have to unravel in this journey of forgiveness. And she said she remembers um, meeting with a pastor who's, and he said to her, you need to cut your parents out of your life. And she said that she didn't for two reasons. One was for the sake of me and my brother. And in truth, my grandparents were absolutely brilliant. And I am so glad that they were in my life. The thing is with unforgiveness, it, it can it can ruin a generation that has had nothing to do with that situation of something that they had nothing to do with. And therefore, that's where you see family feuds where we, we don't speak to so-and-so. No one can remember why because the, the, the people are long dead, but we just continue it anyway. And, and she didn't want her kids to grow up not knowing and, and being loved on and loving their grandparents. And they were definitely not great parents, but they were fantastic grandparents and very amusing stories of my nan, uh, fantastic. Um, and, uh, and the second reason, mom said, well, if I cut them out of my life, who then can share with them the good news about Jesus? Uh, and again, I, I, I just love that kingdom mindset, that this isn't mine to carry. God, I release this back to you. and uh, I need to share the good news. And I, I love that she was able to do that with both my grandparents before they passed away to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. So it maybe doesn't always end in reconciliation, but I think we should make that the goal. Number five, out of seven, so we're not doing too bad. We remember it's a life sentence. Don't stop at I've forgiven them and then find yourself um, continually angry, um, but, but actually give it to God. Maybe... For the rest of your days, you will have to continue doing that. But don't take it back. Give it to him. Number six, Gary, do you, wanna, do you guys want to come up? Number six is this. We pray for them. And we're not praying, Lord, I pray that you would come down hard on them in a way that only you could. But we're saying, God, will you prosper them? God, will you bless them? God, will you grow them? God, will you forgive them? God, will you reveal, reveal yourself to them? God, you know, no, we don't pray for them in the idea that, you know, if God does a little work in them, they might apologize for what they've done. No, we pray for them uh, and just say, God, will you bless them? I don't need anything back because I've given it to you. 
And I tell you, if you can get to the point today of praying for people who have wronged you or who continually hurt you, you are on the journey very well of forgiving someone. And my final point is this. We trust Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says this. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. If all really, really means all, then whatever you're going through, whatever you have been through, whatever has been done to you, it means that God is going to work it for good because that's who he is and because he loves us. And, and you know, it, it, what, what's happened to you may be a shock to you, but it isn't a shock to God. God isn't like, flipping heck, I didn't think they'd do that. Ooh, that's gone south. It's not a shock to him. We, we may be stood there going, oh, I can't believe this has happened, whatever, but, but God is in it all. He may not have sent it all, but he will work it through for good. A lot of Artie Kendall's book centers around the life of a guy called Joseph in the Bible, and I don't want to go too much into his story because I haven't got the time, but Joseph's story kind of starts with this dream that he has of his brothers bowing down to him. And Joseph's story sort of ends with his brothers bowing down to him, a fulfillment of the dream that God had given him. Yet, his life in the middle wasn't particularly brilliant, okay? He, he, went, he went through some stuff. His brothers kind of leave him for dead. He, he's sold into slavery. Um, he's accused of something. We don't need to go into that. Um, he ends up in prison. And then he eventually becomes the prime minister of Egypt. So, so much goes on in his life. But if we believe that all means all, then God is in it and God is working it for good. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what has gone on in your life and I don't know who has done whatever to you. I, I, I know some people in this room have been exceedingly badly hurt and by people who should have known better and should continue to know better. But can I say, do we believe Romans 8, 28, that in it, God is working it all together for his glory. And just as we bring this message to a close, I, I just really want to give an opportunity for some of us to spend some time in the presence of God on this issue of forgiveness and unforgiveness and perhaps opening that book and saying, God, I, I lay that at your feet. God, I surrender. Do you know for no other reason than your own? God has so much that he wants to do in you and through you. That, that you are called, you are chosen, you are anointed. But if we can't sometimes deal with these seemingly basic things, it can begin to unravel the rest of it. And you need to know today that you are loved unconditionally by an incredible God. And I just feel, I get a sense in this room today that he just wants to put his arms around you and say, will you let me hold that? Will you give that to me? You don't have to go through this and journey this on your own. Will you just pour out your heart? Allow me to take back control. 
So just, just in these moments, I've just, just asked Gary and Matthew just to, just to play. And just, let's just allow God to just begin to move in us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.